No. Yeah. I truly praise God for his many, many blessings. And uh, hasn't it been good to be in the house of the Lord already? Already. Praise the Lord. We have, we have uh, worshipped. We have been brought to his very throne room. And I praise God for that. And let's continue that in his word. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9 and let me give you a little recap. I do want to say thank you so very much to every person that had a part in Vacation Bible School. It was a, it was a great week. Uh, I love being a part of all that God is doing wherever He's doing it. That's the reason um, if you go back there and look at the Bridge to Baltimore sign up, my name is there. It doesn't matter to me what the date is, my name is there, and I hope your name will be there, and that you'll go with us, and you'll experience what God is doing in the neighborhood of Brooklyn, there in the city of Baltimore, because it is a great thing. So let's, uh, let's recap from last week. Saul, the arch nemesis of the church. Saul, the arch nemesis of the church, was headed on his journey after he got those letters to go to Damascus, and while there, he was going to go into Christian homes or homes of the way, and he was going to drag them out. He might beat them, but he was going to imprison them. They were going to go before the chief priest, and they could very possibly even lose their lives. This is what Saul was on his way to do when something happened on that road to Damascus. Something happened on that road to Damascus, and we know what happened. He met Jesus. He met Jesus on that road to Damascus, that one that, one that Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In other words, when you've done it, when you've done it to my disciples, when you've done it to others in my name, you've done it to me. And... It was in that moment that Saul, that because of the bright light and because he heard God's voice, anyway, it drove him to his knees. And when he got back up, what had he lost? He had lost his sight. He had lost his sight, and he would stay blind for three days. He would stay blind for three days. And he would go into the city of Damascus on a street called Straight, and a man named Ananias would come to him. Sent by God, sent by God to lay hands on this man, pray over this man. The scales would fall off, he would receive his sight, and then he would be nourished. He would be nourished. Now, um, so we're going to jump right in and, and see what the Scripture has to say from that moment forward. Starting in verse 20 of chapter 9. Immediately he preached the Christ, in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. 
And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we lift up this time to you. Father, we ask that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate this word for us. And Lord, that we would understand and we would be able to glean and pull from this scripture everything you want us to know. And Lord, may it change the way in which we um, carry ourselves day by day. Father, may it compel us to be more evangelistic in in our conversation. Lord, may may it compel us to be looking for lostness. And Lord, to want to wanna share you with a lost and dying world. This world so desperately needs you. Our country so desperately needs you. And Lord, we just, we just want to do our part knowing, Lord, that you're doing yours. Knowing that you are faithful in everything that you have told us that you would do. Lord, thank you that you allow us to join, your, join you in the work that you are doing. Thank you for those children that were here this past week. And Lord, Lord, I pray, I pray that we will, that, that we will follow up and we will do our part, Lord, in, in reaching out to those who are on a journey to know you. So Lord, we, uh, we lift up this time now. Lord, decrease me that you may be increased. And Lord, use this time for your glory and your honor and your praise. We love you and we praise you in your most precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Saul has just gotten saved. Saul has just come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is he doing immediately after? I'm, I'm sorry to say that I believe that there are many that would have problem with this. But I've always been told that your greatest evangelist, that your greatest evangelist is the person who just got saved. The person who is most passionate about the gospel is the one that just got saved by it. And Paul immediately began to preach. Immediately began to preach. And you know what? Here's the interesting part about that. His strategy started immediately. You will see time after time after time that everywhere Paul goes, he's going to go in the synagogue of the Jews. He's going to go in the synagogue. And you know what? I bet, I bet he was an invited guest. I bet he was somebody that they wanted to come speak at this particular moment. Because I don't think they knew what had happened. 
They didn't know that he had met Jesus on that road to Damascus. They didn't know that he had gotten saved. They didn't know that he was now born again and that he had been called to take the, to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And so they were open door. Come on in, brother. Come on in, brother. Share with us. Tell us what God is doing in your life. Yeah, okay, I'm ready. And he preaches the gospel. He preaches about Christ. He preaches that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Son of God. Now, can you imagine that, that welcome? That welcome turned uh, probably turned rather quickly into a, uh-oh, what's just happened here in this synagogue? What's just happened in this place? But you know what? Praise God, he preached it, and he preached it boldly. And, and you, and you got to know, you got to know there were those, Saul, what happened to you? Saul, what happened to you? I mean, just yesterday, or just the day before, or, or last week, or, or last month, and oh, by the way, I, I want you to know, they'll take it all the way back to, to the, when you were a kid, if they have to. They'll take it back as far as they have to take it back to remind you of who you once were to remind you of mistakes that they have seen you do. And, and let me just clarify that. Sin that they've seen you in the midst of. Sin that they've seen you in the midst of. They, they, they won't hesitate. They won't hesitate to take you back there and remind you of who you once were. But should that stop us? It didn't stop Saul. It didn't stop Saul. He preached it boldly. And, they, and they're sitting there, they're, they're amazed by what they're hearing. They're amazed. And, and, and they say, is this not he who destroyed, who destroyed those were call, who called on this name in Jerusalem? And has come here for that, that they knew why he was there. They knew why he was there. They knew that he had come to persecute the church. They knew that he had come to, to drag the Christians away. And, and you notice they said that, that he had done that. Look, look, at the, look at the wording. Those who called on, it, on, on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them, bring them bound to the chief priest. So what does that say about everybody in the midst, most likely? He's talking to a bunch of lost people. He's talking to a bunch of Jews. He's, he's talking to a bunch of fanatical Jews. Okay? So he's, he's preaching the gospel in, in a place where it's, where it's probably not well received. You know, the message of the gospel is not going to always be well received. It's not going to always be something that people want to hear. Should that stop us? No. And it didn't stop Saul. He preached it. He preached it from the moment he got saved. From the moment he got saved, he started preaching. When was the last time you shared Christ with somebody? When was the last time you decided to have a gospel conversation with anybody? When was the last time? Oh, by the way, have you had a gospel conversation with somebody recently? Is there anyone in here that's had a gospel conversation with somebody recently? 
Anybody telling anybody about Jesus? We, we want things to be different. We renamed, rebranded, revisioned. We did all these things because we wanted things to be different. We wanted to give an opportunity for the walls to come down and for people to feel welcome to come to this place. But how will they know without a preacher? How will they know without someone to tell them? I say this. I say we're far too comfortable. I say we're far too comfortable in our place, wherever that happens to be. you got to understand, Saul, Saul had to know. Saul had to know it wasn't going to be so great. He had to know it wasn't going to be so easy. It wasn't, it, wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be in keeping with longevity of life to preach this message. How did he know that? Because he was one of the persecutors. He was one of the persecutors. It goes on to say, Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. He has now gone from the hunter to the hunted. He's gone from the hunter hunting after the people of the way to the hunted. Now they're after him. Now they're after him. And how does he know the fervor with which they're after him? He was just one of those. He knows, he knows who he was. He knows what he was doing. And now, and now, he's after them. Now, now you know, let's go on. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night. To kill him. Okay, so the gates were the way that most people came in and went out. In your house, how did you go in and go out? Through a door. I was going to ask you, do any of you, do any of you regularly go out a window? Okay. No. No. And, and I would venture to say, I would venture to say that if you have tried that, it's difficult at best. I had a teacher I had a teacher once. I, I used to talk about primary and secondary means of getting out of a house. Okay, and the, and, and the primary means is, of course, always the door, but the secondary means may have to become your window. So she goes home one day. She goes home one day after we had taught, and, and she tried it. And she tried it. Thank goodness on the first floor. She tried. She, she went out. She made it. She got out of the window. She came back to school the next day bruised and beaten and sore, and you couldn't, I mean, you just couldn't imagine all the things that happened because of that experience. But she was thankful, but that she was thankful that she had tried it. Okay, so that's my fire safety moment in this, okay? As you put together your home escape plan, remember, doors are the best way to go. Well, see, that's, what, that's where they were waiting for Saul. They were waiting for him in the gate trying to catch him, trying to catch him as he was coming into the city or maybe even going out of the city. Day and night, it didn't matter. They were there. They were there perched and waiting.
Then the disciples. Now, first of all, but the plot became known to Saul. Saul, Saul found out they were trying to kill him. I don't think he was surprised one bit by that. I don't think he was surprised one bit by the fact that they wanted to kill him. They wanted to take him out. Because he went from being the arch nemesis of the church to being one of the strongest mouthpieces for the church. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. See, the, the, see, the cities were surrounded by walls. The cities were surrounded by walls for protection, for protection. And in those walls, in those walls were openings, windows per se. There were openings in the wall. Okay, whether, whether they used it as a lookout, whatever they used that for, well, in this case, they used it as an escape route for Saul to get out of the city. And they put him in a basket and they lowered him out of a out of window. This is, this is within days of becoming a believer. Okay, within days, within days of becoming a believer, he's already having to be um, hurried out of somewhere because of his faith. Because of his faith. How many places have you had to scurry from because of your faith? I watched a group have to scurry because they tried to give cookies to a bunch of kids and, and they didn't have enough cookies to give to the kids and a mob scene occurred in Africa and they had to get in the car and they had to run because they should, they should not have done that in the first place, but they did and it, oh, what a lesson it was. Oh, what a, and, and, and that was over cookies. Over cookies, okay? Much less over, over people trying to kill you because you're sharing the gospel. Because you're sharing and preaching Christ. And it says, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, so he's made this long journey from Damascus to Jerusalem. He's made this journey from Damascus to Jerusalem. And now, <clears throat> and now he tries, look at what he tries to do. He had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. What had he left Jerusalem to do? He had left them to, to, to find them, to hunt them down, to drag them out, and to destroy them, to stop the way, to stop Christianity, to stop the message of Jesus Christ from going forward. That's what he had set out to do. Now he comes back to Jerusalem, and he wants to join the disciples. Can you, can you picture their angst about it? Can you picture their... Um, being a bit reserved and being a bit, um, we don't think so. But Barnabas, but Barnabas, you remember that? Remember that one that we remember that one that we saw there um, after the Holy Spirit had come, and they were selling their stuff and um, selling land and property and all of that kind of stuff, and they would bring it and they would lay it at the apostles' feet. So this man Barnabas, this man Barnabas, one one who had a good rapport, a good rapport with the apostles, a good rapport. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. What did Barnabas know? What did Barnabas know? Barnabas knew his story, didn't he? Barnabas knew his story, and he knew it exactly as it had occurred. So how did Barnabas know it? He could have been with him. He could have been with him. I don't think he was with him. 
You know why I don't think he was with him when, when, when it happened? Because of what Saul was going to Damascus to do. So there's a real strong... Now, Barnabas could have also gotten that from the Lord. Just like Ananias knew where he needed to go, Barnabas could have got it that way. But you know, there's another way that I believe Barnabas could have got it. I believe he and Saul sat down and had a conversation. I believe he and Saul sat down and talked about and talked about the experience that had occurred to him. And, and maybe Barnabas was in Damascus at the time. Maybe he was in Damascus when Saul was there preaching. And he, and he went and he said, let me go hear what this man's got to say. Let me go hear, hear what he's got to say. And he hears him preach. We don't, we don't know exactly how Barnabas knew because Scripture doesn't tell us. All we can do is speculate. All we can do is, is, is try to put some common sense reasoning to how he figured it out, how he knew it. But whatever it was, he gave a testimony of who Saul was. Do you know that uh, in 2005, when this church was looking for a pastor, when this church was looking for a pastor, there were two men... Jim Davis and Greg Coghill. Jim Davis and Greg Coghill wrote a letter to this church. A letter that I knew nothing about. A letter telling this church that they might want to consider me as pastor of this church. That they might want to give me an opportunity to come preach. I didn't know what, you know, it was at Easter time and uh, I just thought they were looking to get someone to come and preach. Well, they asked me to come preach three weeks in a row. You would think I might have been a little smarter than that. I wasn't. Anyway, I came and I preached those three weeks. And the next thing you know, I was sitting before the pastoral search committee of this church being uh, asked questions about my faith and about my call and about those things. And, and I, I tell Jim Davis all the time, I said, Jim Davis, you're the reason. You're the reason. For whatever that means, you're, you're, you're a part of the reason. And he laughs, he laughs. But you know what? But you know what? Every once in a while, we need some people in our corner. We need some people that are willing to stand up on, on our behalf. On our behalf. And, and, and whether, it, whether it be in a, whether, we, we hope it's in a good way. We hope it's in a good way. We hope it's not, not to say, whoa, 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 you, bet, you might want to hold up on that one. You might want to hold up on that one. Barnabas, Barnabas gave a tremendous testimony of who Saul was. And not only did he give a, give a testimony of it, but here they are in Jerusalem together. Okay, they're in Jerusalem together. And the proof is, so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. So he, Barnabas, goes with Saul wherever he's going. Now, that wasn't, very, that wasn't very easy for Barnabas either because what were they trying to do to Saul? They were trying to kill him. So if they're going to kill Saul, they'll kill everybody with him. Okay? And, and, and so Barnabas, I'm sure he knew that. I'm sure he counted the cost of what it meant to walk with Saul. 
And he goes on to say, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. In other words, he was right there when the Greek-speaking Jews, when the Greek-speaking Jews were, were arguing back and forth with him. We're arguing, and sometimes, yes, sharing the gospel turns to a bit of an argument. It turns to a bit of a contentious debate. And should we not share it because of the debate? No, of course we should share it. Should we be ready to share it in the midst of the debate? Of course we should be ready. Of course we should be ready. Does that mean you've got to be a Bible scholar to to share Christ? No. You know what? God promises that the Holy Spirit would give us, would give us what we need, but we gotta, we gotta know what's here. We gotta know this word. We gotta know this word. Scott and I were in a place this week, this week, where a devotion was given. Where a devotion was given. And guess what? The person, the preacher giving the devotion took Scripture out of context. Way out of context. Way out of context. But you know what I didn't hear? I didn't hear a single other person in that place say anything. He and I were kind of having a recap. Of all that, occur, all that had occurred. But here's the thing. You'll hear it and you might say, Wow, preacher, great message. And, and that preacher just took it as far out of context as it could be taken. And it's, it meant nothing close to what it was supposed to mean. Folks, we've got to be aware of that. We've got to be careful for that. We've got to be mindful that that is happening. And, and how are we going to know? I was having this conversation with Idri just before the service began. How are we going to know? We've got to know what this word says. We've got to know truth so that we, we, we know when it's untruth. We've got to know that. Okay? And Barnabas was right there in the midst of it while he's preaching boldly the truth of Jesus Christ. Where, where he's in a contentious group. He's not backing away from it. He knows that they want to kill him. <laughs> he knows that. Remember, he figured it out. That's the reason he left Damascus. Goes to Jerusalem. They're still looking to kill him. They're still looking to take him out. And when the brethren, when the brethren, when the, other, when the others in Christ, let's put it that way, when the others in Christ heard about the fact they were trying to kill him, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. That's where he was from. That's where he was from. Now, here, here's, the reason, here's the reason I call him the arch nemesis of the church. The arch nemesis of the church. The one who was leading the charge. The one who, was, who, who had a fervor against the church like like no other at that time. Because look at this. Verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. Now that's not, I, I want you to understand, 
It is three places, but it's not three places. Okay, now you, here's the way to understand that. Okay? It's, it's like saying all the churches in Chesterfield County. Or it's like saying all the churches in Central Virginia, in Southeastern Virginia, and in Southwestern Virginia, and in Western Virginia. All of those churches. So in other words, it was a region of churches. It was a region of churches that experienced peace. It was where the gospel had gone to at that point. It was where the gospel had gone to that were experiencing peace. Now, there, there are reasons that churches experience peace. There are reasons that churches experience peace. One of those reasons is that for whatever reason, the government lets up. For whatever reason, the government lets up. Hear me clearly with what I'm saying. For whatever reason, at a period of time, the government lets up on the church. Doesn't mean that the church is not doing what the church was always called to do. It's just that for whatever reason, the government, the government lets up. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that the government falls in line with a particular faith or anything like that. The government, for whatever reason, lets up. But the other reason that the church experiences peace, and this is not a good reason, is that the church is doing absolutely nothing. The church is doing nothing, so even the devil says, well, I don't need to do a thing. I just need to let them do what they're doing because they're doing a fine job of it, a fine job of nothing. So, so may, may the peace that the church experiences never be a peace, never be a peace because the church is doing nothing. May we always, may we always be about the gospel. May we always be about the furtherance of the gospel, of the gospel going, going throughout our neighborhoods, of the gospel going throughout our communities, of the gospel going around the state, of the gospel, of the gospel penetrating, penetrating every, every nook and cranny that it can penetrate. I praise God for the Family Foundation. I praise God for the Family Foundation. Many of you may not know about the Family Foundation. Many of you may not know uh, uh, of, the, of the coalition that is, that is formed there that is dealing with lawmakers, dealing with our state government. They're there with a group of, a, a group of Christian lawyers, Christian lawyers that are, that are standing toe-to-toe with the Hellenists per se, with the standing toe-to-toe and, 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 and fighting and fighting the good fight, fighting the good fight that many of us, that many of us, for whatever reason, whether we don't know about the fight, choose not to, choose not to engage in the fight, but there are people fighting the cause of Christ and the cause of His Word and, and, the, and the fight and the fight for babies and the fight for marriage, and the family, and all of those things, that's going on. That's going on. And we, we, need, to, we need to think about those, those folks, pray for those folks. 
But the church, the, the church had a period of peace. And, and because of it, they were edified. They were built up. And the church was growing. The church continued to grow. That's what, led me, that's what leads me to believe that the church was still doing the things that the church was called to do. Because the church was still growing. People were still, people were still coming to. But we can't. That coming to is a difficult term. God never called us to grow a big church. He never called us to grow a big church. He called us to make disciples of all nations. He called us to make disciples of all nations. He called us to go and to tell. And then look at what it says. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Ecclesiastes, the last chapter, Solomon writes in chapter 12, he concludes what he's writing there in Ecclesiastes. And he says in verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's not run in fear. That's have, that's have a reverent awe, a reverent fear, a reverent a knowledge, a holiness a holiness of knowing who God is, knowing what God expects, and keeping His commandments, and doing what He tells us to do, and doing what He tells us to do. And as we do what He tells us to do, we're going to be about the business of the church. We're going to be about what we're, who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be. Let me tell you something. Being the church is not easy. It is not easy at all. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's nasty. Sometimes it's things that, that we might not ourselves choose to do. But he's called us to be the church. We are the church. The church is not this nicely painted building. The church is not all the things that we put in to adorning this facility. The church is inhabited by every seat that has a person in it right this moment. That's the church. And we've been called, we've been called, we've been sent. We've been told to go. And, he, and, he, and Solomon goes on, he says, Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. This is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So as, so as Luke writes, as Luke writes this about walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, in the comfort of God's presence, because the Holy Spirit is God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And you, and you may say, I don't feel God's presence. I don't sense God's presence. My question is, did you ever get saved? Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to dwell within you and came to dwell within me. And we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. God's presence is with us everywhere we go as believers. God's presence is there. 
And because of all of that, they were multiplied. The church continued to grow. You know, that's what we want to that's what we want to see. We want to see God's work being done, God's work being done, the work of the church being done, and because of that, God adds to the church. That's what we want to see happening. Folks, there's some crazy things happening today. Today in God's church. There's there's one church, there's one church that's having that that they're that they're meeting They're meeting as we meet. And they're meeting to determine what next. Because in a matter of speaking, their their church, their world, has become unraveled. It's happening today. In another place, in another place, in Chester, An SBCV church was launched today. An SBCV church was launched today. It's called the Village Church at Chester. Meeting at Salem Middle School. And you know what? Here's the thing. Some of us would be upset by that. But we shouldn't be upset by that. What we we need to pray for in that is may the gospel go forth through that place just like the gospel needs to go forth in this place and the gospel needs to go forth in every place that proclaims the word of God, that proclaims that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's that's what we need to be praying about. There are, and and, and, and folks, there there are other things. There are other things going on, going on across Christendom, across Christianity, across, in churches, in churches everywhere. Let's just, let's just boldly, boldly go and reach this world for Christ. And, and who God gives us opportunity to talk to, let's talk to Him. Let's don't, let's don't miss, let's don't miss opportunities. Let's, let's tell people about Jesus. You might be here this morning. You've heard this whole message of what Saul has done. And by the way, when the archdemesis left, when the archdemesis who became one of the greatest mouthpieces for the gospel, when they got, when, when they got him kind of out of town a little bit, peace fell upon the church. Whatever brings that peace, we ought to be thankful when there's peace in the church. We ought to be thankful when there's peace in the church as long as it's for the right reason. But let's not, but, but, let's, but let's keep doing his work. Let's pro- keep proclaiming his name. But you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I don't understand a thing you said. I don't understand anything about why a person would put their life on the line for this person called Jesus. Why they would put their, why, why, they, would, why they would stake everything on this thing called the gospel. Because for those of us in here that believe this, for those of us in here that believe and know that we were sinners and that we were headed for death and we were headed for hell, that because of what Jesus did, because of the price that Jesus paid, each and every one of us 
can be forgiven of that sin, can have the opportunity to turn from that sin and to be in right relationship with God. That's what God desires. God desires a right relationship, and, and He made a way through His Son, Jesus. He made a way through His Son, Jesus. And if, you, if we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we accept Him as the Savior of our lives. We accept Him as the one and only Son of God. We accept Him as God. We accept what He was the only one that could do for us. The only substitutionary atonement for our sin. He took the penalty for us. And because of that, we can have life. We can have it eternal. We can have abundant joy. That's the life that we can have in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know him, then I would encourage, I would compel. I can't make anybody get saved. I could, you know what? I could drag you to this altar. I could drag you to this altar and it wouldn't mean a thing. You got to come on your own. You got to come just as you are and you've got to give it to the Lord and you've got to know that His promises are true. And that's, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to hear from Saul for a little while. We're not going to hear from him for a bit. He's going to go home for a little bit of time. But he's coming back. And you know what? The one who left in the clouds is coming back. And he's coming back for his church. I pray you're a part of that. I pray you're a part of that when he comes back. Let's pray. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, love you, praise you, honor you, thank you. Lord, um, I thank you for Saul's testimony. I thank you for Barnabas in Saul's life to stand with him. Lord, I, I, just, I, I just want to praise your name, Father, for the example that we have of being of being an evangelist. Lord, may, may nothing stop us from sharing your love. May nothing stop us from talking to people. May nothing stop us from inviting a person lost and dying in their sin to become a believer in you. Lord, we know that that's your work. We know that you're the one that works upon the heart. You're no, we know, Lord, that it's not, the results are not ours. The outcome is not ours. Ours is to make disciples of all nations. Taking people from being spiritually lost to being spiritual leaders. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In your most precious and holy name, amen. Let's stand together.